I guess we'll welcome everybody out to uh, episode three of Utah in the Weeds. I can't believe we're already on episode three. <laughs> I already missed one and two, so I got some catching up to do. Yeah, yeah patient number one was on episode two. Oh, Mario. Uh, I think it Mario? David, David Sutherland. No, oh, David, David Sutherland. Okay, that's yes. the first, card owner the first, number yes, one. Card. Okay. Yes, patient Mario number one for was you patient was... number one to, to legally purchase in the state. Yes. David didn't get his, his. Uh, I think he had to go to work or something because he came back yes. and told me. He was like, oh, I had to leave and come back, <laughs> but I was the first one to get my card. Yes, we interviewed him last week and on episode number two of Utah in the Weeds, I'm Tim Pickett. And where can people find you, Tim, at? Uh, they can find me on utahmarijuana.org. That's the main place you can go to find any information about the Utah cannabis system. Uh, we're, we're posting the podcast there. We're posting transcripts of the podcast and articles about them. Uh, that's probably the, the best place to go search for information. We have an educational video that we put up about how to apply for a card through the EVS system. Uh, that that I put up last week because we were getting a lot of uh, problems there. And you could also uh, call my office, 801-851-5554, if you have questions about getting a card, the evaluation process, or the Utah Cannabis uh, System, the medical marijuana system. How about you, Chris? And then I'm Chris Hollifield. I am saltlake.com is uh, my other podcast that I do. If you haven't listened to it, go check it out wherever uh, you find podcast. however you're listening to this one, just go find I Am Salt Lake, IamSaltLake.com. But we have a really special guest here today. Nareth, is that Nareth, right? Is that, did right. I pronounce it right? Perfect. And you're from Dragonfly. You're like the, uh, the, the holy, I, oh gosh, I was trying oh, to Oh, I mean, something. he's like the, the, the tip of the iceberg right oh, here. The first yeah. dispensary pharmacy. You guys are way okay, too we, kind. We are like, look, we just call them dispensaries around here. It just... It's just so much easier. I'm sure it's easier, but honestly, from our perspective, we do more than just dispense product. Oh, good. Uh, so for us, we truly are Dragonfly Wellness. And what we really believe in is empowering patients to take back control of their health and wellness. Uh, so it's more than just coming into a medical cannabis pharmacy to purchase product, but it's really being educated and bringing awareness to our community because the social stigma around cannabis is real. Every single one of us deal with it on a daily basis. Uh, so many people in our community uh, are hiding in the shadows and hiding in the dark. Um, and all they want is to just be treated with respect and dignity that they can use medical cannabis safely and legally, just like anything else out there on the market. And whoever would have thought here in Utah would have got medical cannabis, right? Definitely not me. Because you're uh, a Utah guy, right? I'm a Utah guy, born and raised. Uh, I was born in, in Utah in 1980. My my family's uh, refugees from Cambodia. And much like many other people on, on our team as well, is, uh, we're refugees as well. Uh, so to be able to be part of this community, uh, grow up in this community and... Actually, as I drove here, I drove past Valley Junior High, which is the junior high that I actually went to in seventh grade. No kidding. Uh, I lived in the neighborhood just five blocks away from here on the other side of 4100 West and 4100 uh, South and 3200 West. So it really was a little surreal for me yeah. driving past my old junior high to come do a podcast with you guys talking about the future of medical cannabis in Utah. I know, really, unreal. your family is really kind of this uh, American dream build yourself up and and really a local talk to us about the local aspect of dragonfly wellness and and what that means to the local community for you 
for 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 us at Dragonfly Wellness, it honestly it really means a world because the whole reason we got into this uh, this business and this opportunity was to really empower our patients and uplift our community. You know, I think a, a lot of us on the team have been pretty fortunate in our lives to uh, be able to have the opportunities that we do, to be able to work hard, get an opportunity to live the American dream, uh, and be able to, 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 to live a comfortable life. Uh, so to be able to, to go from, you know, I don't want to say rags to riches, uh, because I'm definitely not rich, uh, but I'm definitely richer than a lot of people that were in our circumstance coming from uh, a war-torn country to no fault of our own, to no choice of our own, and to just be plopped in the middle of Salt Lake City, Utah, right? Cause when you're, when you're outside of Utah, when people say, Oh, you're going to America, it's all the same. There's, there's not Des Moines, Iowa, Salt Lake City, Utah, LA. You're like, I'm going to America, baby. And then you show up and you're like, what is all this snow? Why can we not have <laughs> snow in Asia like this? Uh, so really the, to, to again, have this opportunity to be a part of the community and do something where literally to have strangers come up to you and, cry and thank you for what you're doing. Did you expect that that would happen as much as it does? I really did not expect it to that level. I knew what we were doing for the community and on the outside looking in until you actually touch a person's heart and actually see them and feel that raw emotion. Do you actually realize the gravity of what, what you're, you're actually doing. doing. I, it's exactly the same for me. So I, I, you know, as somebody who sees people in clinic and, and helps them like basically get access to the pharmacy, right? I, until you actually see the people and you, you see the gravity and they leave before they leave your clinic and they're hugging you. They're th- thank you. Thank you for helping me get access to this. I've been waiting for it for years and years. It really is a big deal. I, I, I totally get it. It is. And, and that's, I think that's the piece that a lot of people from the outside looking in at medical cannabis and, and maybe, uh, for, for lack of just understanding of what medical cannabis can do for people, like all you got to do is just meet one of these families that their life is just completely changed now. And once you, you kind of humanize that element and you take a step back and realize how can cannabis be this bad? evil devil's lettuce that I've been told my entire life, yet it brings so much joy and relief and improves the quality of life of people. Like you just can't argue that. Yeah. Now, were you involved in the cannabis industry outside of Utah at all? Or is this kind of the start of your uh, career in cannabis? The closest involvement that I had in the industry was uh, being a user in California. Um, So my my girlfriend and her family lives in in LA. So for the last three, four years, I've kind of been back and forth between Utah and LA. Uh, So obviously in California, it's it's a rec market. So I kind of got to see the transition from medical into recreational and seeing what happened, the pros as well as the cons and all the challenges that the California market is facing and being in that uh, environment uh, gave me a lot of hope uh, about what the Utah medical cannabis program can do. And and I don't think a lot of people really understand what the Utah medical cannabis program actually allows for cannabis as a medicine to be able to do. Uh, One fundamental thing that is a huge game changer is the fact that the state of Utah allows us to bring hemp products, CBD, CBD derived from hemp, into the cannabis ecosystem. That is 
a profound impact on a number of different things. Most importantly, the cost to the patient. The cost to grow and produce hemp significantly different from the cost to produce cannabis, which in reality is actually ludicrous because it's the same exact plant. Mm -hmm. But if you want to be a processor of hemp, you pay a $2,000 license fee. You want to be a processor of cannabis, it's a $100,000 license fee. Wow. It's the same plant. So the cost of producing hemp is so much more cost effective to the end patient. So to be able to take hemp-derived CBD and bring that in, it significantly lowers the cost. Game changer. And are they not growing hemp in other states? Is this, because I heard that at a at some networking event recently as oh, well yeah, the Utah about uh, hemp, how we're kind of special here in Utah. And yeah. I think you were just saying that too, Ab, yeah. you know, but so why aren't they doing that in other you, states? You can grow hemp in other states, but the law doesn't allow you to bring a hemp product oh. into the cannabis ecosystem. Because the way that the system is set up here specifically, we have a seed to sale tracking system. That means from uh, when a plant is eight inches tall it is tagged and tracked in the system and recognized as a product in our ICS or inventory control system. So the second it becomes that eight inch plant, it is tracked from when it becomes flower and we harvest it to when either we take it to the next form and extract oil that is tagged and that oil goes into finished product that is tagged. So literally you can see from the product that you buy on the shelf where that exact product was sourced, the exact even lot number of the grow facility of where that came from. So that gives um, ultimate confidence to uh, the end patient because now you know exactly where your product comes from. If there, uh, Lord forbid, there's a, a recall on one specific product, we can trace that back to exactly the source and identify the problem. And if you look back at last year's epide ep epidemic with uh, the, the black market vapes, that was a big challenge to, to finally track back to see where all that came from and to find out it came from basically one source, right? And that took a lot of investigative work where now literally the second somebody comes up with a case that a product made them sick or ill, we can literally find out exactly where it was and stop that production right away and find out what the root of the problem is. Are there still bad vapes out there, probably in the black market? Yeah, they're still, they're, they're still uh, using... It depends on what they what they dilute yeah. with. Uh, yeah, because you don't hear about it a whole lot. For a while no. there, it was left and right, man. Boom, boom. That was why I was excited that you guys were going to open up, though, because you guys – let's talk about some of the products that they have in there because I think a lot of people are curious, right? Because a lot of people haven't been inside – of your pharmacy, of the dispensary pharmacy. Now, is that legally, do you legally have to call it a pharmacy? Like you verbally can't call it a dispensary? No, I mean, legally we could call it whatever we want. Okay, okay. Uh, but, but, but for us as a business, uh, we want to make sure that people are coming into a place where it's professional, it's clean. They're actually getting medical advice. We're not here. Like, for example, I hate the word bud tender. The word bud tender, uh, it just makes me feel that people are there to sell and slang product. Like some rep came in and they got a bet the best deal on this flower this day. So it's a two for one deal. You should buy sure. this. And there's no discussion about what the actual efficacy of the product is. What is the terpene profile? What is a cannabinoid profile? None of those discussions happen when you talk to a bud tender. Yeah. Uh, so for sure. us, you only talk to wellness associates because we have passionate people that actually care about cannabis as a medicine. They're all users themselves that either maybe they had cancer at one time in their life. Maybe they had a catastrophic illness or, or an 
accident. And they're all people that literally cannabis saved their life. So they're here to talk and educate with people, not to sell product. Yeah. So talk about the products that you have there in the pharmacy. I mean, of course, everybody is everybody that we talk to, a lot of people that a lot of patients that I talk to, they still think that flour, it's either not going to be allowed or it's going to be in blister packs. Uh, number one, flour will be available. Um, you look at data across all the other states and everywhere where else that's, uh, whether it's medical or recreational, flour is the number one selling product in every single market. So people love flour, period. Um, so to clear up a couple things is still smoking flour with an open flame is prohibited in the state of Utah. Right. So the only way that you can legally and safely consume flour is by using a dry herb vaporizer. And for those of you that don't understand what a dry herb vaporizer is, is essentially you're taking ground up flour, putting it into a chamber and it's a convection chamber that heats the cannabis up. And you have these you have a couple of these uh, like almost on display. It's my understanding at the pharmacy. We have two basically what we call entry level um uh, dry herb vaporizers because they're very affordable because there's some very expensive vaporizers that are out there. Like for example, the Volcano, it's like a $400 unit. Those are for very experienced and much more heavy users as well. Uh, but for your casual user, for, for a person that's using it just to medicate at night so they can sleep, just a little handheld dry herb vaporizer is all you need. And it has different temperature settings. You can heat it up to 390 degrees, up to 420 degrees conveniently. I don't know if that right. was a coinky thing. <laughs> yeah, that is it. Um, but essentially, have, that's what I it does that. is it heats up the dry herb. And if you ever look at the flower and the herb itself, you see these beautiful white frosty little things those are trichomes. That's where the good, good stuff is. That's where, you know, the terpenes, the cannabinoids that we're looking for are inside of those trichomes. That's what we extract from uh, plant material. When we do our extraction processes, we are essentially extracting those trichomes out from the plant material. So that's what that dry herb vaporizer is to, to do. And for me, it's my preferred form of consumption uh, because of a couple things. Number one, um, you're not burning anything. And if you're burning something, it creates kind of a harsh smoke and heat. And if you have asthma or any respiratory issues, it's very difficult to even inhale that. Even for vape cartridges, it's difficult for some people to do it. So with the dry herb vaporizer, um, what it does, it allows you to at least cool the smoke a little bit and it gives you the actual flavor profile. Uh, I'm sure some people have gone out there and read different reviews on Leafly or on Weed Maps and things like that. And they talk about, oh, wow, this, this, it's a, uh, it's a sweet chocolatey taste on the inhale. And as the exhale, it's a fresh minty. And you're like, what are you talking about? What is, it? but those are like those real connoisseurs. Uh, but that's where the terpenes come into play. Terpenes are those odor molecules that exist in almost every single plant that's out there. And cannabis is no exception. There's hundreds of terpenes in the cannabis plant. So when you smell that pungent odor that's in there, you're smelling plant terpenes. And that's what gives the different profiles of all the different flower, whether you smell something piney or citrusy or something that's very hoppy. I've had a lot of people say, wow, this... This, this, this flower smells like an IPA. Well, that's the hops. That's the same terpenes that are in hops. Uh, so those dry herb, uh, dry herb vaporizers are awesome devices that allow you to actually taste the full flavor profile of, of what you're actually using, um, from that flower perspective. Uh, so those are two, two common misconceptions is can you still use flour? Yes, you can as long as you're using a dry herb vaporizer. And not in a blister pack. And the second one, which was great and, and kudos to everybody who really fought for the blister pack pack because it was 
a huge, huge challenge, not just for, for us as, as producers and manufacturers of the product, but as the end user as well to purchase flour in a blister pack that you literally would just pop out of the pack and you're going to put into your own jar anyways. So now we're just creating more complications for our end user. Uh, and, and I think it's, it's, it's to no fault. It's, you know, lawmakers trying to make, uh, things as safe as possible. But when you're making laws and you've actually never used the product or you've never even known anybody how to use a product, it's really difficult to understand from a patient perspective how they end up using it. So I'm really happy that everybody who fought for that, all the legislators stepped up to the plate and said, you know what? We recognize that this is, this is this is prohibitive to 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 patients and prohibitive to uh, businesses. We will make a change, and they got rid of it. So that was awesome. So now we're able to sell flour in jars. Did you see the video? You were, it reminded me when you said not, you know they're not using cannabis, you know, up on the hill. The video with Jim DeBacchus back when they were doing all of this. Gosh, was it even a year ago when he went down to I Vegas and had I an edible? Know what and, you're talking about? And, it, uh-huh. and he did like a Facebook live. I just thought did it was humor. So I was like, you know, go Jim DeBacchus for for at least trying it out. Sure, because I think awesome. that's what you got to do. And I, it's I, not it's not going to make you crazy, guys. Go go try a little bit. Go down to Vegas <laughs> right. and have fun, right? Right. <laughs> what what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah, so- Oh, go ahead, Tim. No, go. The, uh, the, the other products you have, are they all, so you have some tinctures, uh, uh, liquid forms, Correct. some, uh, capsules and essentially they're gummies, but they're, they're, uh, gelatinous cubes, gelatinous, cubes. gelatinous cubes, not shaped like gummy bears. And, uh, what other types of, do you have some topicals there as well? We do have topicals. So what we currently have available, um, uh, this week in our product lineup is, as we mentioned, flour. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have tinctures. There's five different ratios. And why that's important is because there's different ratios of CBD to THC. Um, if you're somebody that we would consider like a cannabis naive person, somebody who's never used it or used it once when you're 18 years old because you tried it, you're going to be a, a lot more sensitive to the effects of THC. Uh, so what we want to be very mindful of is to not give a patient, a first time patient, a bad experience. And then they just swear off cannabis. And I'm like, I'm never going to use that again because that would be the worst thing because for somebody that could actually get relief from medical cannabis and then to give them a bad experience and they don't ever use that product again. Uh, that's heartbreaking. So we want to make sure that we're, we're advising and consulting. There, there's two key things that we do, um, that our pharmacists do when, when people walk in for a consultation. Number one is we obviously have an open and candid conversation about their previous cannabis experiences and they feel much more empowered to speak to us at that level than they do their doctors because some people truly fear like, oh, well, what if my doctor tells my medical provider and I lose my insurance? Oh, this is a huge, that? this is a huge issue in my clinic and, and getting people to open up about their existing cannabis uses. And it's one of the things that I really, I pride myself on with my patients because I'm, I, I know more about it, but they, they've always brought it up to another medical provider who's just shut them down. Yeah. Or they're scared to talk about it. And it's really important for patients to have that safe environment to talk about. And I've really liked, uh, to be honest, I've heard good things about your 25 to 1 uh, tincture, the 25 milligrams of CBD to 1 milligram of THC. Patients are having a pretty good experience with that with low psychoactivity. Uh, which I think you, you were just about to tell us about. Yeah, exactly. So just like you said, having somebody to have that experience and be able to 
to experience the therapeutic benefits without the psychoactive part. That is huge because for a lot of people, when you experience that psychoactive part, you're wondering like, what's going on? Why is everything going so slow? How come you're talking so slow? What's and people actually don't relax anymore. Right. So it's right. really they important for us to make sure that we talk to people about that and what to expect in that experience. So that 25 to one ratio, that's a great kind of entry level product to get people into, right? Because it's very simple to use, right? You apply it sublingually and, and that's important for people to know sublingually. And that's basically placing a drop underneath your tongue. And when you do that, it actually is, is a, a quicker entry into your bloodstream than if you were to actually eat it as an edible. Cause when you eat it, it's got to go down. It's got to go down to your stomach. It processes your stomach, get into your liver. And by the time it's could be an hour or two hours before <laughs> you feel anything. And by then you're thinking, Oh man, I just ate this edible. I don't feel anything i'm gonna eat another one five and then all of a sudden yeah yeah, after five or six edibles you're like stuck in the couch and now you're calling the cops and saying i think i'm dying somebody please tell somebody help me so we want to avoid those things right we we want to avoid people calling the authorities because we don't want the authorities coming over to our pharmacy say what are you doing why are you telling all these patients right so that's really really important to us that we create a great experience for people and again be open uh, and, and candid and it's been pretty amazing that people come in and they are so open to sharing their stories. Like we, we you know, we have a space right in the front and we have a private consultation office because we want to respect, respect our patients' privacy. So when people come in, we say, Hey, we have a private office. If you, you want to go talk in the back and, and talk about your medical conditions and people are like, no, I got nothing to hide. I've been in four accidents. I've had four different hip surgeries and they right. just want to talk to somebody about it. Somebody that isn't going to pass judgment on yeah. them. Right. I think that's the biggest thing that most people that are looking for relief is they're already going through such a huge challenge in their life. And the last thing they need is somebody sitting on their table, judging them and asking them, Oh, why would you do that? Why are you looking at this? And that, that, that to us, like why we created the experience that we did at our pharmacy is that we want people to feel open and vulnerable and be able to be candid in their experiences so that we can truly offer them a great experience. This is really, there's really two big, two big things I have really left on my, in the questions in my mind. You go for and it, one Tim. is the problems. Let's talk a little bit about the problems that we've had in Utah, because <laughs> I think that we, you know, you and I, particularly in this business, understand that this has not been a perfect rollout. Absolutely. And how as Let's get into that from the pharmacy perspective. What what have you seen are the biggest challenges to patients, to you, uh, to to getting patients really through the door? I think the biggest challenge is really the misinformation and the confusion uh, that we have created for them by the laws that we have developed. And, and this is the way that I've been explaining it to people is we basically pass a law that allows people to legally possess medical cannabis with a doctor's letter of recommendation. Yet you cannot purchase with that same level letter. You can go to Colorado, you can go to Nevada, use that same letter to purchase, but you can't purchase in your own state from a doctor in your own state that said you can benefit from medical cannabis. Already from the beginning, as a patient, Confusing. Confused already. Yeah, 100%. How many people, when they got their affirmative defense letters on social media, just like crying and screaming, it's like, I'm free, I'm not a criminal anymore, right? And that was only half of the story. 
It's like that only protects you if you are possessing it. But basically what, what we were, were promoting by, by creating that was you can't purchase it here legally. So either go find it illegally by somebody on the street or go out of state and bring it back in illegally. Those are your two options as a patient. Yes, yes. So number one, that was the first challenge uh, that we faced yes. as a community was even addressing, what do you mean I can't use my letter? My doctor said it was yeah, okay. I was there right? at the first, when you opened, I was standing right there by the front desk and I was watching it. I was watching it happen. And of the first 10 people I saw go up to the, to the gal at the front, nine of them had their letter. It seemed like only one had a card from the state and, and you knew it was going to be hundreds and hundreds. You've probably talked to hundreds of people and turned them away because of this situation. I don't disagree with the letter protecting them legally, but you're right. The misinformation. It is. You're going to get an influx of patients here soon. Because this well, card thing is going to pass, right? This- yeah. And the reality is, is that same situation that happened the first day happens every single day. Yeah. Every single day we have a line out the door and every single day we have to turn patients away. Oh, and I tell patients when they leave my clinic, I tell them this letter will not get you into the, cl- to the pharmacy. And I still, I still get a call from a patient Every single clinic day, it seems like with a patient leaving my office, going down to the pharmacy after I've told them three times, Uh, you know, and it's no fault of their own. They're really excited and they know they're legal and they really need their medicine. And I I get it. But man, we've got to, we've really got to fix that. And we do. And and I definitely think, um, you know, the people that are really working hard to make this happen. And, and, and again, like kudos to, to the Department of Health, the Department of Ag, like what they've been able to do and since January of last year, let's be honest, since really July of last year, when they issued the first cultivation license, July to March, just think about that to get a full entire medical cannabis program up and running. It's an incredible feat. And for a team of eight to 10 people at the department of health, eight to 10 people, at the department of ag, uh, it really is amazing. Those guys are like working like, like they're a startup company over there and literally doing everything that they possibly can and trying to do things within the law. They really right? are. They really do have their hands tied because they're trying to do things that is written in the law. So they're designing programs based on the way the law is written. Uh, but what, what I really appreciate is just how open uh, the departments have been to working with doctors, uh, like, like Tim and with, with the companies like Dragonfly, uh, because they're really listening to our challenges and our concerns in other states. They're like, nope, you're not part of the conversation. This is the law. This is how it is. Deal with it. And it's amazing how much people want this program to work. Uh, but the reality is, is we just, we're, we're kind of dealt the, 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 the short straw and I'm not surprised. We expected this, honestly. Well, like you, we saw I the mean, you're the on ones the who, you, you're the one who decided to open first, right? You're we the knew. one. We you knew, knew exactly it was going to be there. What it was going to be. We knew these were going to be the challenges. Uh, but what our commitment was, because number one, it's about the patients. We could have sat back uh, and, made a business decision to say, we're not going to open our doors until there's enough patience for us to actually serve, right? Any normal business would, that, that makes yeah, no that's sense. A reasonable. But the reality is, is we knew going into it that if we were the only ones that were able to step up to the plate, 
not just financially, but just physically even being able to do it. I know there's plenty of other companies struggling to even get permits still to even start construction. Um, so that, that's, you know, huge kudos to our team for being able to really make it happen. Literally, we were awarded January 3rd, technically January 11th, when we actually got the intent to award the license. And we were able to, within six weeks, open up a pharmacy. That's incredible and takes a really passionate team working 16 hour days every single day. Uh, we haven't had a day off since the beginning of the year started. Uh, you know, so to make that happen, we knew exactly what we were getting into. We knew the challenges that were faced, but what was most important was that patients in the state of Utah have been waiting, waiting their entire lives for this to happen. And to tell those patients just to hang on and just wait a little while while, while, you know, uh, uh, we get more numbers in and it's, it makes more business sense for us to open. In good conscience, we couldn't do that to the patients of our, for our community. I was just going to ask, is that kind of why you're low on flour? I hear you're out of flour now till the end of the month is because you didn't have it ready to go. I we guess. had limited supply already. Our, actually, you know, our intention was to, to actually open, um, uh, middle of March, beginning, end of March. So that way we had our full supply of everything available and actually all of our, our, our cabinets. What, what you guys saw in the pharmacy yeah, right. was temporary. We had to spend extra money to buy temporary stuff until our actual cabinets and furniture and stuff came in. So people that are going to be coming in, you know, towards the end of the month, you're, you're going to see like the real dragonfly wellness over there. But those were decisions that we, we had to make as, 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 as a business. And we knew going into it that we were going to take a loss. Otherwise, why would we have gone into this? That, that was not um, our priority. But even if we only got to serve one patient that first day, that would have been all worth it to that one patient. And to see the first patient that were Mario Enriquez and yeah. having an opportunity to serve him and literally see him crying and giving me a hug after that first one. And for him to go and get a tattoo as the first patient to legally purchase, <laughs> think about what that means to him. And for us to be able to deliver that experience to somebody, it was worth it. That's awesome. That man. was worth it. So cool. So that cool. That is cool. So what do you think, what's your message to patients with their card the or the letter and the card and the EVS system? What are you telling patients now? How? What's the best thing for patients to do now still do you think that it is navig try to navigate that EVS system? You think that is the best, simplest, or most straight most effective way to get to get into the pharmacy is still the EVS system. Don't wait on H uh, House Bill 425. Don't wait. because uh, the truth of the matter is, even if you wait, it's still gonna take some time uh for for us and the Department of Health to get that system up and running. Uh because what people don't know in the background is that, you know, we are using an inventory control system. It's it's a it's a state mandated software that's a seed to sale tracking system, like we talked about earlier. It allows us to track all the product and also ensure how much product each patient is actually purchasing because there are legal limits within a 28 day supply that you can only purchase up to about four ounces of unprocessed flour or up to 20 grams of concentrate. So there are legal limits. So we need to be able to track that within the system. So that way somebody isn't trying to cheat the system and go from pharmacy to pharmacy to pharmacy, buying up as a, as much as they possibly can. Right. So that, that's why the system was intended and designed that way. But that also means that the system was not designed 
to accept letters of recommendation. Therefore, there needs to be a software change with that. And that's going to take some time for that to do. And that, that timeline is still, uh, it's not definitive right now. Um, we do plan on this Friday actually having a, a press release with the Department of Health. So that way we can inform and communicate to the public what that is going to look like. Um, but for, for patients, what they can expect from Dragonfly Wellness is, uh, what we're going to create, um, on our website is essentially a pre-registration for patients. And what you'll be able to do is uh, enter in your patient information and upload your letter of recommendation. And that what that will allow us to do is to give us time to actually uh, verify that those are valid letters because we can't just accept the letter and say it's good. We have to yes, be able to validate thank it. Thank you. Thank right? you. Because anybody person who writes these letters, yeah. I... You need some verification. Anybody can write, you know, copy a letter from, from, uh, Dr. Pickett over here and just put somebody else's name and address on there. It's very easy to well, doctor. And that's what you were concerned about. It I really we was. And when we were the last episode, that's right. And when we were at the Department of Health or when we were at the Capitol together, it really was. And I was pretty animated about this. I don't want patients forging these letters. It's not safe. You know, if you're going to treat this like a scheduled medicine, which it is, then then yeah, treat it like a medicine. It's, it yeah, needs to so, be verified. So we put that plan in place because again, we're thinking about the patient, right? One of the busiest times in the pharmacy is pretty much between that five to seven hour after everybody gets off of work and they got to stop in and grab their medication. Uh, so, but the reality is, is not a lot, a lot of doctors are going to be sitting in their office between five to 8 PM waiting for a call. So, again, we're going to have to turn that patient away because we can't verify that their letter is actually mm. legitimate. So we're back to square one again. Yes. So then we sat as a team and thought, okay, how can we, how can we help this process? Well, if we allow people to pre-register at least nine o'clock in the morning, our time, we can go through our lists of people who uploaded their letter and actually call and verify the doctors uh, with yes. the doctors that these and are just valid so letters. You know, I mean, it takes right now, it's, it's difficult for patients to get through my phone line. And I have called the, the pharmacy trying to get a hold of a pharmacist and Man, your voicemail's full. All day Has long. there been a this this brings up another question of mine specifically as a provider wanting to talk to the pharmacist. In a normal situation in a in a regular pharmacy, I have a I kind of have a back door to the pharmacist. Has that been brought up? Is there a way for providers to communicate directly for the pharmacist or the pharmacist to communicate directly with me or is there a way we can develop that back that back end? I absolutely think there is. I, I think early on, um, we were cautious as a business because there's some very clear lines written in the law and what types of relationships we can have with doctors, right? Because there's this potential conflict of interest. If I have a relationship with, with, with Dr. Pickett over oh, here yes. and he's, you know, sending people to us that that's what they're trying to avoid because again, they're looking at this as a schedule one drug still. Uh, and not actually being able to have that. So we've, we've been extra cautious about having those types of relationships and conditions because we've had, uh, you know, doctors come in and say, Hey, can I leave my card in case, you know, you, you have any patients that want to refer? We can't even refer. No kidding. We can't even, Got it. even if somebody comes in and says, Oh, do you know a good doctor? We can't even say, wow, you should go to Dr. Pickett because, you know, he's, he understands medical cannabis and he will actually consult and advise you and not just say, no, go find someone else. Like we can't even do that. Um, so, and, and maybe that's us maybe looking at it very black and white, but we also understand that there's, you know, us being the first one out, there's a target and on our back. By all the way, this is still eyes, Utah. All you eyes are on careful. us right now. There's plenty of people out there just watching and waiting for us to make the wrong move so they can 
shut us down. They can do whatever and make this not successful. So it's something we're really mindful of um, that, you know, we wish we could operate this just like any other business, but unfortunately the law doesn't require this. Even advertising, like there's a very specific language in the pharmacy that talks about advertising. Actually, I'm glad we're not on video because like me wearing this outside of our pharmacy is actually considered advertising. It's no longer a uniform when I leave the pharmacy. No kidding. So like we, like we couldn't even give t-shirts away to, to our first customers that came in, right. To, to be able to, to, to thank them for being there. So, so you can't uh, sell t-shirts. We can't sell any merchandise. In the law, there's only three things that we can actually legally sell. Medical cannabis, medical cannabis devices, and educational material. But again, we're not trying to rock the boat any at all. Like we understand that there's rules in place and there's people that are concerned. What we want to do is show people that, hey, there is absolutely nothing wrong with what we're doing here as a business. And you shouldn't view us as doing anything different than CVS or Walgreens having a giant sign on their building that says, come buy me, flash, flash, flash. Yet we have very specific requirements on what we can and cannot do and put on our buildings and wear on outside of work. Uh, so, so those are challenges that, you know, we'll fight that battle at some point down the road, but right now that's not our focus and, and that's not the battle that we're interested in fighting. What we're interested in is how do we get patients access? That's yeah. the most important thing. What's the, uh, w- when is your other, don't you have a second location? We don't, unfortunately we don't. We only have one you retail only... pharmacy, but I know that there's going to be a second location that'll be opening up in, um, up North, I believe by the end of March. Um, so hopefully, you know, the, the people that live, live up, uh, in Northern Utah will have closer and easier access to be able to go that, go, go to that pharmacy. Uh, but that's all I know of so far, at least potentially two more that could be opened up by April. Uh, and then the other five open by july and the rest will be open by the end of the year i heard Layton is what i heard for uh the oh. next uh, pharmacy opening up which would be good wow. for for that you know yeah. up there ogden tremont and up logan even yeah it's my understanding i think it's true north they're another vertically integrated operation right yes. they're kind of like you where they're seed to sale they do the production yep like you do exactly and we had an opportunity to meet with them and great people as well and uh they are really patient uh focused as well and and you know it's really great to have people like that in our community because that's what we need we need people who actually are looking out for the patients first not looking out for their stakeholders. Sure. First. Are you bringing in uh, outside products from other producers as those licenses and they, and they get products or are you primarily right now only uh, able to acquire products from your own? Yes. By law that all product that is on our shelf has to be sourced locally uh, in Utah. And that's a big reason why product is so limited right now. Cause if you go back and say, well, licenses were issued in July how long does it take you to build a facility? For most people, there's actually some companies that haven't even built their facility yet, right? Like I think Harvest House is one of them. They haven't even broke ground on on building. And Harvest is is a huge multi-state operator. They got tons of money. So, I mean, for them, like money isn't enough for them to actually get off the ground. They still got to jump through the hurdles of getting local permitting, local licensing, and all of those things. Uh, but But we were able to build within five weeks. We actually had our facility built in five weeks. And the only thing that actually limited us from having full grow production was Rocky Mountain Power getting power to our facility. Oh, wow. Yeah. So so we were actually ready to rock and roll. But the reality is, is most people had a really difficult time getting that process. So to be able to get an operation up and running and you look at your average harvest time is eight to 10 weeks, 
you do the math to have product ready and available by March is a really tall order. So we were really happy to be able to step up to that plate and be able to do that. And, and actually we're actually on our second harvest. Our first harvest is, you know, because uh, we were so far ahead of the curve, the department didn't even have testing available yet. They didn't have their lab set up. So we actually had to fresh freeze our product. But when you fresh freeze your product, you can't go and then sell that as flour because now you've got moisture and water content and then oh, it thaws. Wow. Yeah. So we actually had to remediate it and turn it into oil. That's why we have so many products that are uh, based on topicals and tinctures and vape cartridges. And and the flour, we have probably about 60 to 70 pounds of flour that's going to come online here March 17th that uh, our harvest will be done and we'll be drying and curing. And by the end of March, we're going to have a lot of flour available for people. Because I know every single day people are walking in, you <laughs> got flour, yeah, you, you got, got flour, flour. you got Where's flour. flour? Yeah. And even some people walk out and they're like, this is a hoax. You don't have anything. You don't have any product. It's um, just like every other it. state. I mean, every other state that I've read about and talked to physicians and other providers about, you know, I mean, you go, you still, Florida has been, this has been around for a long time in Florida and they still go down to the, the their pharmacy dispensaries and sometimes they're out of certain things and sometimes they're not. It's a, it's not a perfect system and every state has its own problems. I think Utah has done a great job so far. Yeah, we have some, could we have be some better. It could be worse though. Yes, it Absolutely. could be. It, could it can always be better. Right. And, and, uh, you know, and, and I think that's just comes down to just time and resources. Yeah. Right. And, and we didn't have time and we didn't have resources to be able to get the program fully functioning to its optimal level. Right. And that, that's the reality of it. Um, and now it's us, you know, in problem solving mode and just trying to make it better for everybody and in a way, like, you know, we, also feel really privileged to have the opportunity to figure all this stuff out because guess what? The the next guys that open their pharmacy, it's going to be a much easier road for them. They're probably like, thanks yeah. Dragonfly. Appreciate all the help. <laughs> yeah. uh, but we're happy because we want this program to be successful. We don't view these other pharmacies as competitors. I mean, heck, there's 14 pharmacies in the entire state. How can they possibly right. competing with all of these pharmacies? It's not. And, and it really has to be this, uh, this view of that we're a community, not competitors. Um, so, so that's what I'm really happy to be on. And we've, you know, connected with so many different people that are, that, that have really, um, just opened up their hearts and just want to truly come together and work together. You know, like we've got a, uh, met with Zion Pharmaceuticals today and they're, uh, they're, uh, have a grow license as well as processing. Um, and they have the same values as us that they care so much about the patient. They want to create high quality products for their patient at an affordable price. So it's great to continue to meet partners like this that are committed to that vision and that purpose, because the last thing that we want and, and why, why Dragonfly Wellness is, is so committed to what we're doing is we don't want to see what happened to the California market happen to the Utah market. We truly believe we have the opportunity to create a best in class medical cannabis program that can be a model for the rest of the nation. And we wholeheartedly believe that we can do that through education, through real science, through real data, being able to collect patient feedback on the efficacy of products and tie that back to the state's lab testing on the cannabinoid profile, on the terpene profile, those things we're hugely passionate about. Because one of the things, and, and this is a really important topic to talk about, is what the commercialization of cannabis has done is kind of created uh, a lot of terms that people like to use, those being indica and sativa and hybrid. Right? And the reality now is that so many 
plants have been crossbred that you're going to have a hard time finding any pure indica strain or any pure sativa strain. So we get patients that come in and say, oh, I need an indica. And what we need to take a step back and say is, okay, we don't just hand them an indica product. We actually say, well, what type of benefits are you looking for? Right. Let's move beyond the sativa and indica conversation. It's about the profile of the terpenes that have more impact than the actual THC and CBD itself. So, and there's so much research that is linked to terpenes and those profiles, whether it's limonene or pinene, that those have very profound effects on people. So now what we do is we, we try to advise and consult and say, well, what type of benefit or relief are you looking for? And then we match them with the right product. So we're trying to change the conversation, but that's really hard to do, right? That'd be like me trying to say, well, we're not going to call this an IPA anymore. You know, and try to get people to call it something different when the industry <laughs> has just used it and the industry has really commercialized THC. Now you go into a, 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 a legal um, dispensary in, in any legal recreational market, there's a high, huge correlation between price and, and THC, THC content. content. Percentage of right? THC. And, and that's all people price. are now like willing to pay for. And now it's become very marketable. And if you're a business trying to make money, you're going to sell the thing that gives you the highest profit margin and not actually focus on what's going to help your patient the most. It's been fun having you in, man. I know there's a lot more uh, that we could talk about, but we'll just have to bring you back through. Absolutely. You know, I mean, yeah, I'm really interested to talk to you in like five or six months after we are through the first wave. We've got the electronic verification system kind of working in the way that that it's uh, supposed to. Patients are coming through the door with regularity, and we kind of have this dialed. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what. As, as painful as the process is right now for a lot of our patients, in six eight months from now, nobody's going to be talking about this. Yeah, <laughs> no. We're just going to move past it, and everyone's going to you know be able to get access and be able to get into the system, um, and and we'll get through these growing pains right now. But again, it's what's important is that uh, we're providing communication to people so they know what to expect. I think managing patients' expectations is the best thing that all of us here can do, and that becomes again back to education and awareness and having these conversations. I welcome these conversations. I love talking to people who are just curious that want to know that want to spread information out there so that we can get rid of the misinformation uh, because that's the biggest challenge like early, earlier on in the week right we had to dispel rumors that we were closed and we were right. not going to open till the summer <laughs> i remember uh, that i was yeah. like man i'm gonna have to talk to him about yeah this on i was the literally podcast. driving to the capital uh to, to to meet up with all these people and i get a phone call saying hey i heard uh, a new news reporter just said that we're going to be closed uh, like wait right. what that's news to me nobody told me that um but it's really important to continue to have a platform for people to get out there and really speak the truth and share real knowledge with people so that way people can actually get real information and not have to hear hearsay or, or hear what other people um, that really know nothing about it are, are talking about. Absolutely. Well, it's been fun. Nareth, uh, 7-Eleven State Street. Yes. Dragonfly Wellness. That is correct. And right now our temporary business hours are, are Monday through Saturday from 12 to 8 p.m. Uh, we had intentions of opening daily, uh, but until the patient rollout, there's really right. isn't a purpose for us to be open on Sundays. But uh, for now, that's what our temporary hours are. I think for people just to stay up to date for uh, product updates, as well as how do you get into the pharmacy, um, go to our website at dragonflyut.com and subscribe to our newsletter. That's going to be your fastest way to get information. Um, and if you you want to follow us on Facebook or on Instagram,
Instagram, uh, Dragonfly Wellness, uh, we'll continue to post updates. So that way people are informed because uh, we want to make sure that we get that out to the public. And, and the reality is it's hard for us to answer calls all day long. Literally, I still have 30 voicemails to get through and it makes me feel terrible that we can't get back to these people. So uh, for all of you guys looking for information, come subscribe to our newsletter, uh, go to, what was it? UtahMarijuana.org. And uh, I'll post a link with the podcast. I'll post a link to Dragonfly Wellness uh, website so they can get more information from uh, through anybody who goes to UtahMarijuana.org. And is and that how they can get a hold of you, Tim? Absolutely. Well, I mean, through that well? website, you can sign up for our newsletter as well, which will correlate information very similar to yours as well. Uh, we'll follow that uh, as as more news comes out. We're both in the, on the same team here, trying to get our patients the best information and, and really set expectations about what's next uh, because everybody wants to know. So yeah, you can get a hold of me. Uh, you can definitely call 801-851-5554. UtahMarijuana.org is a great place to go to learn about the, the cannabis system. UtahMarijuana.clinic has specific information about evaluations and qualifying conditions here in Utah, uh, more specific to getting a medical card. And uh, Chris, I am Salt Lake. I am saltlake.com. And I actually set up an email for this show, Tim. I don't even think I told you about Ooh, this absolutely. yet. Absolutely. Uh, it's just UtahInTheWeeds at gmail.com. We'll have fancy emails here soon because we set up utahintheweeds.com. You can go there to listen to the past shows, but reach out uh, if you're interested in coming on this podcast. I know there's a lot of people that we don't even know about, Tim or myself, don't even know about here in Utah that are involved in the cannabis industry, or if you're a patient and you have a cool story, or what if you have some news, whatever, reach out, email us, get in touch with us, call Tim up on his phone. And we'll probably bring you on the show, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And then Nareth, one more time, Dragonfly, you guys are awesome. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for providing a platform uh, for people like us to share this information because this is what we need. We need more content and more people like you uh, that believe in getting that right message out there. So thank you for all you do, Chris. You're welcome, buddy. All right. Be safe out there.